What's up, everybody? It's me, Andy. I'm back here on my lonesome this time around. Brian swamped with work once again. So uh, still the plan was to finish up the 13 Truths. That's what I'm going to do today. Um, last time we had Brian on, which was I think it was episode number 54, we did the middle section basically of the 13 truth with 13 truths with Matthew McConaughey. And that was the plan for this week, but he's been swamped all week. And it, I mean, Wednesday is going to be Thursday in like four minutes now. So I'm going to do this on my own. I'm going to try to give my, the best perception I can from, or I guess my point of view of, of these last few truths that Matthew McConaughey talks about. And we'll keep moving on the plan for next week. Hopefully is I recently got in contact with a friend from high school, an old colleague, and I'll let him, you know, we'll we'll get into that conversation. Hopefully we'll get it recorded next week and then I'll have him on here so for you guys to tune in. It'll be very interesting because I haven't talked to him and, and it's it'll be cool, I would say, to catch up because the only way I've been able to keep up with him really is just through Twitter and and we hadn't talked and he had mentioned something about a about being on a podcast i was like well hey let, let, let me get you on mine and so that's the plan but for now we're gonna get into 13 truths and here is number nine number nine from can to want all right check this out 1995 i got my first big paycheck as an actor i think it was 150 grand the film I was on was Boys on the Side, and we were shooting in Tucson, Arizona. And I had this sweet little adobe guest house on the edge of the Suaro National Park. The house came with a maid, my first maid. <laughs> it was awesome. So I got a friend over one Friday night, and we're having a good time, and I'm telling her about how happy I am with my setup. The house, the maid, especially the maid. I'm telling her, look, this lady, she cleans the place up after I go to work. She washes my clothes, the dishes, puts fresh water by my bed, leaves me cooked meals sometimes. Look, she even presses my jeans. And my friend, she smiles at me, happy that I'm excited over this. And she says, well, that's great, Matthew, uh, if you like your jeans pressed. <laughs> and I kind of looked up at her, my jaw caught hanging open. I stuttered a moment had that dumbass look that you get when you've just been told the truth and you didn't think about it, and I, it hit me. I hate that line going down the front of my jeans. I hate that line. And it was then, for the first time, that I noticed it. I'd never thought about not liking that starch line down the front of my jeans because I'd never had a maid to iron my jeans before. And since she did, now, for the first time in my life, I just liked it because I could get it. I never thought about it if I really wanted it. Well, I didn't want it there, that line. And that night I learned something. Just because you can? Nah, come on. It's not a good enough reason to do something. Even when it means having more. Right, be discerning. Choose it because you want it. Do it because you want to. Never had my jeans pressed again. <laughs> So right off the bat, you know, dissecting the want from can, and essentially, we we could dive in even further and throw it as far as need, but 
because it's just me. I'm gonna I I am gonna be I'm I'm gonna try to stick to a few, just a few main points that I thought about when listening to this section and listening to these truths and this one in particular is when you get more, then you get more, and then you get some more, and by the time you know it, you have uh it could be anything literally you, could, you have just more of of whatever it is you know you some i feel i i know i'm a culprit of this not a lot i or i guess i guess at least i don't think a lot but you know when someone gives you something you know they give you a little bit of leeway hey man can you uh i like the way you do that's a bad example. I can't even, I'm trying to think of maybe something music, but even that's not, it wouldn't be a fair example. So when you get a raise, here's a, here's a better one. So when you get a raise and you're, you're all hyped up, you, you work, start, you, you, you're amped up. So then you want to work harder. You want to try to do more. And then that fades away. And then you want another raise or here's a, here's one that I just thought about right now is, is when maybe you're getting more hours at work. And I know I ran through this when I was working retail. I was like, hey, man, you want more hours? And, I, and at the beginning, the first, you know, the first maybe year and a half, two years, I was like, yeah, man, give me give me hours. Give me hours. I'll work. I'll work. I'll work. Call me. If anybody calls in, call me. Call me. Call me. I'll, I'll, I'll be there. I'll be there. Then at some point, realizing, like, wait a minute. And especially at at a retail job, even as even as like a middle management, you know, lower middle management, lower to middle management position, it's like, well, wait a minute, for this one extra hour of work that I'm going to get paid for, what could I actually be doing, and could I actually get closer to something that I want? And at the time, especially when I was working retail, the time was to get out of that job and go to school, but make enough money playing gigs, and you know. At that point, I I wasn't a band full time, but it was more. I would say I was fifty percent freelancing as well. So so while of course the my main gig kept me busy, any opportunity I got, I would pick up another gig, and that that actually picked up. You know, of course, as time went on, and I got more hours under my belt, and I got more gigs under my belt. But the but to stay on track here is you know to go from can to want, and realizing okay, and this is. The question that I that I raised to myself now, especially this year in 2018, and we're in the beginning, so these these are all I feel like these are all questions that are building up for myself as well. But it's like, what do you really want? What do I really want? I, I believe I brought that up even last time with Brian on here. It's like, what do you want? And I I've had to ponder on that, and I have to, and honestly, right now it's more of a it's almost a daily thing. I don't want to over do it with myself because I'm gonna eventually just like explode and and nothing's gonna happen. Nothing's gonna come over because I'm gonna I'm gonna give myself you know anxiety that I don't need but and thinking is like what do you really want and what do you have what are you getting and what do you really want what do you really want to get out of and I, I have to go macro because that's just the way I roll when especially even, even when I'm talking with friends it's like well what do you what do you want in life go go do that go do that right now my mom's going to, through a situation with her sales and stuff and and she's going through some like just emotional emotional like tears because she doesn't know whether to stay in or or get out and i'm trying to find some i'm trying to or find and help her with some solutions and at the end of the you know our conversations usually it's like well what do you what do you really want i mean you have all these priorities anyways and i mean and this is what i you know i always have to go back to the fact that i'm always detached from someone else's situation when they bring it to me so when i'm in my own stuff it's like well i have to really 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 think about it 
and really set, give the time, you know, set time aside. And usually my time aside is really when I'm not working tangibly. Like let's say I'm at a show while I'm in, I'm playing the show. I'm in the moment, but let's say I'm here at home or even when I'm substituting some of the stuff like that I'm, that I'm able to help the kids with, I'm helping them with math, but I'm, I'm still able to do a lot of thought work, thought process work. Cause there is a lot of downtime for me. And even right now that I'm reading Jordan Peterson's new book called The 12 Truths of Life, 12 Rules of Life, sorry. Um, even through reading that book, that's, even though some of the pages, honestly, it's it's so dense, some of the pages, I, I don't get it, but it's allowing me to, for my thought processes to to just work. And and really the question I've been pondering, I would say for a good month now, I was like, okay, what do I really want? And that thing, the thing that I think I want, do I really want that? And then talking to Brian, talking to Danny, you know, trying to get some feedback and moving from there. And so far, um, I know I know the track that I'm going on. I know where I'm going. I know what's coming. So it's it has been consistent. But you know, even the example that Matthew McConaughey brings in, it's it's it, his, and it's funny because his initial example is is something that's that's tangible, something that 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 he had. You know, he pressed jeans. He never had pressed jeans until he got a maid. And, he, and then his friend, and he, and that friend's wise. I, I honestly wonder who, who thought, who said, hey, well, Matthew, you know, it'd be cool. It's cool if you like pressed jeans. And it's like, man, that's kind of a, a good little shaker of like, okay, what if I didn't have, I mean, and he, said, he says himself, you know, if I didn't have that made doing pressing my jeans, would I do it myself or would I ask for it to be done at maybe at the dry cleaners? Like, no, the answer is no. And anyways, we, we can keep moving forward here, but it's, it is interesting you know, asking yourself, what do you want? And if you want to get better at something, then, you know, what, I mean, do you really want that thing? Or if you get offered something, like how bad do you really want it? Do you want it just because it's being given to you? Or are, are you actually going to make use of that thing that's been given to you, whether it's time, whether it's hours, whether it's money? Um, and it's interesting because it's, it's a lot, it's, I feel like it's real easy for us to say, oh yes to money and oh yeah, I'll do it. Just, you know, give me this or give me that. And, and, and at least for me, honestly, is is uh, I'm trying to turn a page where it's like, okay, do I really want that thing? And what's it going to really cost me? In, the, in, in, in six months, what's it going to cost me? In a year, what's it going to cost me? Is it going to cost me anything? And if I don't think it's going to cost me, can it possibly cost me something? Whether it's my time or maybe giving my time somewhere where it's like, oh, man, would I really use those four hours more productive or am I going to, you know, procrastinate or am I going to give this other thing that I'm not going to give hundred percent to you more hours. So that's my thought on that truth. We can move on to the next truth. Number 10, a roof is a man-made thing. This may cut a little close to the bone since uh, the geography, but I think we all were there and we uh, will all remember where we were. But in January the 3rd, 1993, it was the NFL playoffs and your Houston Oilers were playing the Buffalo Bills. The Oilers were up 28 to three at halftime, 35 to three early in the third. Frank Reich and the Bills come back to win 41 to 38 in overtime for one of the greatest comebacks in NFL history. Yeah, the Bills won, but they didn't really beat the Oilers. The Oilers lost that game, they beat themselves. Y'all remember that, huh? Huh. Why? Why'd they beat themselves? Or how? Was it because at halftime they put a ceiling, a roof, a limit 
on their belief in themselves, a.k.a. the prevent defense. Or maybe they started thinking about the, the next opponent in the playoffs at halftime. I mean, they were up. Then they came out and played on their heels, lost the mental edge the entire second half, and voila, they lost. In a mere two quarters, defensive coordinator Jim Eddy went from being called the defensive coordinator of the year and the man first in line to be a, high, uh, a head coach next year to a man without a job in the NFL. You ever choked? Nobody has ever choked? I have. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about, fumbling at the goal line, stuck your foot in your mouth once you got to the microphone, had a brain freeze on the exam that you were totally prepared for. Forgot the punchline to a joke in front of 4,000 graduating students at the University of Houston commencement. <laughs> or maybe you've had that feeling of, oh my God, life just cannot get any better than this moment. And ask yourself, do I deserve this? Now what happens when we get that feeling? We tense up. We have this sort of outer body experience where we are literally three, seeing ourselves in the third person. And we realize that the moment just got bigger than us. You ever felt that way? I have. And it's because we have created a fictitious ceiling, a roof to our expectations of ourselves. A limit where we think it's all too good to be true. But it's not. And it's not our right to say or believe it is. We shouldn't create these restrictions on ourselves. A blue ribbon, a statue, a score, a great idea, the love of our life, a euphoric bliss. Who are we to think that we don't deserve or haven't earned these gifts when we get them? It's not our right. But if we stay in process, right, within ourselves, in the joy of the doing, we will never choke at the finish line. Why? Because we aren't thinking of the finish line. Because we're not looking at the clock. We're not watching ourselves on the jumbotron performing the very act that we're in the middle of. No, we're in process. The approach is the destination, and we are never finished. Bo Jackson, what did he do? He used to run over the goal line, through the end zone, and up the tunnel. The greatest snipers and, and marksmen in, in the world, they don't aim at the target. They aim on the other side of the target. We do our best when our destinations are beyond the measurement, when our reach continually exceeds our grasp, and when we have immortal finish lines. And when we do this, the race is never over. The journey has no port. The adventure never ends because we are always on the way. So do this, do this, and let them, let somebody else come up and tap you on the shoulder and say, hey, you, you scored. Let them run up and tap you on the shoulder and say, man, you, you won. Let them come tell you, you can go home now. Let them say, I love you too. Let them say, thank you. Take the lid off the man-made roofs that we put above ourselves and always play like an underdog. Man-made roofs and always play like an, always play like an underdog. Man, that one's... This one was a big one, and it's, obviously it still is for me because I know I'm 
I've talked about this over and over. We're dealing with accepting thank yous from others and and not taking or not not rejecting other people's gifts. And that gift could be a simple. I mean, for me, it could be a simple thank you to an actual tangible gift. It's not. It doesn't have. To, I mean, it's never. Not, not never, but accepting gifts. Period. Whether it's verbal or an actual gift, has always been rather difficult to accept because I'm always willing to just give more, and I always want to try to give more, or as or as best to my ability. But in that, and that's one thing I'm. What stuck with me with this one is because I've, I've heard it before, and I believe it. No, I'm not Simon Sinek. It's somebody else. And I honestly, I, I even think I saw it in a movie. But the point is, for this wrapping up part, is who are we? Who am I? And I, I believe I said this on the podcast before. But who are we? Who am I? Who are you? To deny someone else to give you a gift or give me a gift. And even one time, me and my dad were helping my aunt with something, and my aunt gave him money just for helping, not like not, not for anything else. And my dad's like, "No, don't, 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 no, Thea, you don't have to give it to us. You know, we, we're going to do this anyways. You know, th- th- you know, we don't need the money. You know, it's it's not a. This is a voluntary thing that we're doing." And he's like, "No, no, take it." And I told my dad, "You know what? Keep it." And I, I told him without her hearing, of course, but. I then explained to him what I'm saying here is like, you know, it's it's interesting trying to accept gifts and willing to accept gifts because who am I, who are who is he, who are we to deny someone else give of gift giving? You know, we like to give as well. That's why we were there. We were there helping her with whatever she needed help with at home. And that's her right to then gift a gift gift a gift. <laughs> to give a gift, really. But anyways, we can move on to the next point is you know, creating glass ceilings for ourselves. That was another one that stuck for me because I never thought about it like that until I started paying attention to it. And I I know I've I've tried to become way more conscientious of of that. And especially when I say something, I have just created a glass ceiling. So now whenever I have had Brian on or or anything in this podcast, I try to at least I don't want to create some type of thought biases. Thought biases? Yeah, I guess sure. I guess so. Um as to okay, what are we gonna do? And I remember even one time, I think the last time we had Gonzo on, we had an extra conversation after like I guess the initial podcast. And he's like, he's like, I don't have any context. Like I don't, I wouldn't, you know, what are we, what are we gonna talk about? I'm like, I don't know. We're just gonna keep talking and we'll see what happens. But even that, you know, getting used to get, getting direction, and uh, and I, and I, honestly, I'm not even saying I'm not even talking about being creative in any specific way. But when you say something or, 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 and I know I still do this with my runs, honestly, like I'll start with, okay, I'm going to run two miles and then I'm reaching like a mile and three quarters. I'm like, oh my God, I still have a quarter mile left. Well, I've just created my glass ceiling rather than just setting my timer or setting my, my, my marker, which I, I use, I use a, an app, but let's just say for two, let's say I want to run two miles. Well, I should just probably set the run to two miles and do the best I can and get the best time, or if I plan on running for two, for tw- let's say twenty minutes, because usually twenty minutes is the most I'll run. Twenty two minutes is like a max time that I'll run. And so, with that being said, you know, setting those parameters versus telling, oh, I'm gonna run two two minutes and or sorry, two miles, and then lay on myself, and then my and then I'm not satisfied with my time because I'm worried about running my two miles versus you know just doing the best i can and and then having an app as a you know something like glass ceiling as well that's one example i can think of because that's what i've been running into because then it, it it affects my mentality 
once I get into my run. And then my I feel like my fatigue sets in. Same thing when I'm doing, let's say, push-ups. And the reason why I'm giving exercise examples because that's what I'm that's what I've been focusing on is my exercises and just improving besides technique but now my numbers and my time so let's just say two minutes of push-ups and I have a goal of let's say let's just say I have 100 I haven't hit 100 yet so that's been my goal and right now I'm up to like 76 so so let's say like that like and usually lately let's say even knowing that I've done 76 before once I get to number 70 the fatigue just kicks up a notch I'm like damn it and then and then I end up you know uh, you know, not meeting my goal and I end up disappointed and then so on and so forth. So for myself, it's those type of glass ceilings, which it could be anything for you. It could be uh, whether you're at work and you have a deadline and then, and then, and even then I'm, try, I'm trying to think of like a better example, but because I'm thinking like, even if you're at work and if you, if you like your job, then you want to do the, you're, or you're going to do the most you can voluntarily and like everything else will fall into place. I think that's, that's honestly my belief. But creating those glass ceilings and, and I I hear it at, at at the gym, at least when I'm at the gym and people are like, Oh, how do you do this? How do you do that? It's like, well, I mean, I guess my glass ceiling is obviously different, but it's like when you when you start limiting yourself, you start saying, Oh, I can't do X because of my oh, oh here's a simpler one. I can't exercise because I hurt my knee. Well, it's like, okay, I, I understand that, but you can do bicep curls, you can do a lot of upper body, you can do you can maybe work on your pull-ups. You can do push-ups. You can do some weights. You can do different things. You can do even calf raises. If, if your knee's hurting, then your calf is fine, and you're not gonna be bending your knee anyways. You're gonna be keep. You're gonna keep them straight. So different things. And like I said, my main examples will be exercise for now because that's what I've been. That's what I'm in. You know, uh, as honestly as far as. I'm trying to even think of maybe like a music example, but I I couldn't give you one because I, I I try to be in the moment during that time. At least, you know, leading up through practice, whatever we practice, then that's what I'm going to do for the gig, or at least to my best of my ability, and then move forward from that. But anyhow, um, another great point that he, that Matthew McConaughey brings up is, do I deserve this? And then he also goes on to say, like, well, who are you to not deserve something? And that that's another, you know, vulnerability that I've brought up, you know, talking about Dr. Bernie Brown and Lewis Howes and the masks of masculinity. But... um you know, giving yourself some credit to like, hey, I've done this now. Now we can keep improving, but you know, I have gotten this far, and uh, you know, there's nothing wrong with 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 moving on. But you know, at that moment, saying, hey, you know what, I did a good job today. Hey, my boss wanted me to get this job done. Boom, I got it done in in a quicker time than he wanted, and it was it was the work was right, it was correct, and you know, I can move on to the next thing. But you know, giving yourself that that self praise. I know, I, I know I deal with it being my own, uh, worst critic. At least I try to be to then, you know, try to improve and go from there. I'm trying to think if I try to see if I have any other main points. The final point is always on the way. And, and he says, you know, the approach is the destination and we never, and we are never finished. And that I, do feel like I've developed over the past year, like saw it, like we're like now I feel really confident. Or I feel really strong about that saying, because, especially because I've heard it from multiple people. You know, Jocko says it, Matthew McConaughey has now said it. There's always different things, different ways to improve. And, and frankly, right now, at least for the people that I know, they're, they're centering in on that one thing 
and like we all are at least i feel like we all are and, and hopefully like as as you all listen and, and as i as i listen back and, and as i'm talking right now even to to really ponder on that and you know say okay am i am i going to where i want to go and do i have to deviate fine but am I, is my macro still the same or do, or do i need to change it so i mean feelings change thoughts change <clears throat> influences influences change and sometimes that's that's just the way it's got to be um yeah that's what i got for for this one we can move on to the next one number 11 here we go number 11 turn the page the uh the late and great university of texas football coach daryl royal I don't know if y'all remember him, he won a national championship in 69, he won a couple of national championships. Hello, Daryl Royal. He was a friend of mine and a good friend of many people. Now, a lot of people looked up to this man. Uh, one of the people who looked up to him was a musician named Larry. Now, at this time in his life, Larry was in the prime of his country music career. He had number one hits and his life was rolling. Uh, and he, had, he had picked up a bad habit of uh, snorting the white stuff somewhere along the line, and at one particular party after a, a bathroom break, Larry went confidently up to his mentor, Daryl, and he started telling him a story. Coach Royal listened, as he always had, and when Larry finished his story and was about to walk away, Coach Royal put a gentle hand on his shoulder and he very discreetly said, hey, Larry, you, uh, you got something on your, on your nose there, bud. Larry immediately hurried to the bathroom mirror where he saw some of the white powder that he hadn't cleaned off his nose. He was ashamed. He was embarrassed. As much because he felt so disrespectful to Coach Royal, and as much because he'd obviously gotten too comfortable with the drug to even hide it as well as he should. Well, the next day, Larry went to Coach's house. He rang the doorbell. Coach answered, and he said, Coach, I need to talk to you. Daryl said, sure, come on in. Larry confessed. He purged his sins to coach. He told him how embarrassed he was and how he had lost his way in the midst of all this fame and fortune. And towards the end of an hour, Larry, who, who was in tears, he asked coach, he said, coach, what do, you, what do you think I should do? And the coach, being a man of few words, just looked at him and calmly said, Larry, I have never had any trouble turning the page in the book of my life. Larry got sober that day, and he's been sober for the last 40 years. You ever get in a rut? You know what I'm talking about? You get in a funk? Get stuck on the merry-go-round of a bad habit? I have. Look, we're going to make mistakes. You got to own them. Then you got to make amends. And then you got to move on. Guilt and regret kills many a man before their time. So turn the page, get off the ride. You are the author of the book of your life. Turn that page. Turning the page. This truth was a big one for me because I feel like, at least for the people that I know, the ones, especially the, especially for me, as the I especially for the ones that are my age, my age-ish, is that this is the, the bigger time that we're actually conscientious about our failings and winnings. So trying to turn a page 
may seem hard to do. And the one question I ask when it comes to considering turning a page is, you know, what am I doing and am I doing that thing to stay relevant? And that's this, I guess that that'd be the primary question that I ask, you know, am I, am I doing this thing for relevancy? Why am I, why am I playing music in my case? Why am I playing music? Or in your case, why are you at that job? You know, it, and I mean, and it's, I feel like it's maybe, maybe kind of hard to describe, you know, uh, some type of nine to five job and say, you know, is, is this relevant to what I want? But even then it's like, for me, I just feel strongly about it where it's like, well, it should be, it should be relevant to what you want and what you're doing and, and, and a purpose, you know, whether you think so or not, or, or you're, you're just moving around, excuse me moving around kind of wandering and not maybe not as conscious as you maybe could be or maybe you want to be more conscious maybe you don't want to be more conscious but even then are you what 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 are you if you're doing something that you feel like you get to stay at why are you doing it and you know what what is your what is your further pondering on okay where's where is this going to get me and even the even when he says, you know, we've all been in a rut, and that rut could be career wise, it could be personal personal life, it could be with ourselves. You know, I, I think that's where depression comes in. And I've never, you know, I I believe I've talked about it on here, but I, I've you know I've I've only talked to a few people that maybe have dealt with it themselves. And and I, I've always brought up Tim Ferriss because he has an example. I mean, he gives his story on Tools of Titans. He talks about, I mean being on the verge of suicide and he was even gonna go through with it it just so happened that his mom got an email or a letter in the mail about this book and his mom called him right away and you know they essentially you know she's she's this guardian angel she's the one who saved his life and because of that moment now i can talk about like his example i've never even been near that but the point is you know getting in a rut getting out of a rut and turning the page for at the end of the day you have to be somewhat selfish and i work i try to i mean i i work on this not constantly but i feel like it comes up in in important moments where it's like you have to turn the page sometimes you just say you know what this is what i've done am i in the wrong if i'm in the wrong okay i'm in the wrong it's my fault this didn't work out and it's time to keep going Maybe it's not your fault. Maybe you did all the work you could do. Maybe you, you were there in that moment. You were there when the, when you got that call. You were there when they they that other person felt like they needed you the most. And even if, sometimes that's not enough. And when that's not enough, and the reason why I feel like I I feel I I can it go on about this because like I feel like I dealt with this myself. It's like okay, you know what? This situation didn't work. This situation didn't work. I'm going on to the next thing. And Frankly, that's what that's what brings me here. Even even I mean, I always go with start, even starting the podcast. You know, it's 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 interesting what what more that this year will bring. And like I said, I'm I'm I I am going to try very hard to bring some more guests more often. And frankly, the biggest thing I just see that clashes just time. You know, a lot of people that I that I want to talk to, that I'd like for everyone else to hear is you know their schedules just as you know unaligning as as mine is you know especially you know a weekend out here and there and then coming back home and like like last week where i was just 
I'm, honestly, I was just, I was dead tired. I couldn't, I couldn't focus on, okay, what am I going to try to bring to the podcast? Luckily, Adam Robinson had brought, brought up some more things. But anyhow, it just, and you know, you know, the cool thing is, is when he talks about coach, coach Royal from UT and he says, I never had a problem turning the page in my own life. And, and then Matthew McConaughey closes out with, you know, many, I think he says many a man, you know, they die of regret and guilt way, way earlier than they actually die. And, and for me, I've realized that ever since December going into this month or going to January. Now we're in February and the, the feeling that's getting stronger for me is like, okay, guilt, regret. What am I feeling right now? As far as, will I regret this if I don't do it? Will I pause? And for me, honestly, and this is, this is where the risk aversion takes place. Like, well, will I regret it if I do do this thing? Like, you know, what, what are the consequences of this, making this decision? It could be really anything. And so I, at least for me, it's, it's only going stronger. So it's, it's making me gain perspective, but also leading me to where I feel I need to go. And at the end of the day, it's, it's a, it's a want because, you know, it's my choice. You know, I'm going through these questions. I'm trying to ponder on these statements for myself as well. And I hope everybody else does that for themselves, but it's leading me to then, okay, am I going to regret this? When I'm 40, when I'm 45, when I'm 50, when I'm 80, where I look back and be like, man, I should have done that thing. And there's even the conversation I had with my dad last week, last Thursday, a week from, a week from today, where I was talking to my dad and he's like, he's like, you're going to get to that would or should or could have stage. I'm like, I was like, hell no. I'm like, if, if that's your answer, then I can't keep going in the direction that I'm going. And he's like, well, he's like, he's like, well, you know what you, you know what you're doing. You know, if you've thought about this long enough and you're you're sure of it then you know then by all means and so that that was my main thing and that was the last thing that one of the last things that matthew mcconaughey closes out with is the fact of regret and co- tying cultural on that that whole situation with larry and and even then i mean substance abuse that's, that's such a that's such a powerful thing and right now the the buzz that i hear more is like op is it opioids i think i hope i pronounced that right but either way, you know, painkillers and stuff like that, like how addictive all that stuff is. It's it's, it's so insane what's going on with that with the pharmaceutical side of the U.S. and mainstream media. Not to mention, of course, Jordan Peterson and Ben Shapiro and Dave Rubin and all these other people that I, I am listening to actively, you know, and and trying to get both sides and be like, okay, which side do I follow? Or do, what do I really believe? And, you know, and maybe someday we'll get into that Um I definitely want to talk about Jordan Peterson's book, um, but not to get. T- I, I, I was I was gonna get sidetracked, but let's let's not do that. Anyhow, no regret. Think about it. And and and, the, and this is the question that I've I've reiterated to Gonzo, when one time he's like he's like, well, what if I miss out on this? He's like, and so my answer to that was, dude, if you don't walk away, what are you gonna miss? Like, what what aren't you gaining from walking away right now at this moment? And uh, that's one thing I brought up to him, and and we I haven't brought up to him in a while, but in listening to these truths and regret, it's like, well, if you think you're gonna miss something, well, then what aren't you gonna miss? What what else? What else would you miss if you actually continue thinking that, or continue waiting on something else or somebody else? Maybe it's that job, maybe it's that person um, that you're waiting on. You know, 
it's 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 interesting how we can get caught up. I mean, it's and it's a human thing thing. Like, I'm not I'm not judging anybody. It, it, I I go through it. People that I know go through it. It's like it's it to me. It's a fascinating thing the way we we react to certain situations. So with that, we're gonna move on to number twelve. Number twelve. Give your obstacles credit. You know those uh, um, no fear T-shirts that were out. I don't know. People used to wear them 10 years ago, no fear. You may remember those or it's just me. I saw them everywhere. All right. I don't get them, and I never did. <laughs> I mean, hell, I, I try to scare myself at least once a day. I mean, I, I get butterflies every morning before I go to work. I was nervous before I got here to speak tonight. I, I think fear is a good thing. Now, why? Because it increases our need to overcome that fear. All right, say your obstacle is fear of rejection. All right, you want to ask her out, or you want to ask him out, but you fear that he or she may say no. All right, you, you, you want to ask your boss for that promotion, but you're scared he's going to think you're overstepping your bounds. Well, instead of denying those fears, declare them. Say the fear out loud. Admit it. Give them the credit they deserve. Don't get all macho and act like they're no big deal. And don't get paralyzed by denying that they exist and therefore abandoning your need to overcome them. I mean, I'd even subscribe to the belief that we're all destined to have to do the thing that we fear the most anyway, at some point. So give your obstacles credit and you will, one, find the courage to overcome them, or you will, two, see more clearly that they're not really worth prevailing over. So be brave, have courage, and when you do you get stronger, you get more aware, you get more respectful of yourself and that which you fear. So fear, which for me ties into regret. Because what I'm finding as I'm diving more into regret and relevancy and consciousness, being or being conscientious, these questions that have been coming up, it's like, what do you fear more than death itself? And that's part of the biggest questions that I've come up with lately. And I, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if anybody else has heard it before, but I believe I've heard it before. And and, and it can tie into a cliche, you know, like, like, you know, live your, you know, live to the full, live life to the fullest. And, and, and even that can be very vague. And I'm, I'm finding that to be very vague now because it's like, well, what does that even mean? And I feel like I, I get this from now Jordan Peterson for listening, listening to so many of his lectures and, and his talk, like just his speeches and uh, talks that he's had at various, various places and conversations he's had. It was like, well, what does that mean? And trying to define that for yourself. So then, okay, I, I'm fearful of this. Well, why does it, why are you fearful of it? And, and, and are you going to conquer it? Or is there actually a bigger fear an actually un, actual underlying fear that you need to maybe mitigate? Maybe there's a, there's a subconscious thing there. Like you're acting a certain way that, that's like, okay, I, I need to get rid of this fear. And it. it's something that you can actually work on. Or maybe it's, maybe it's tying, turning the page, tying, tying, tying in regrets. Sorry. It's alpha brain. It's, it's kicking in. It's like 1230 and it's, Alpha brain's barely kicking in, but uh, at least that's how I tie it. The, the the sequence of this is pretty genius, you know. Turning the page and then from there, fear, and you know, you should aim for what you fear the most. 
And for sure, for my answer is my biggest fear is regret. Excuse me. It's regret. And because it's regret, it's like, okay, I, I need to do certain things that we're going to be here in the next three hours, or three hours, not three hours, next three years. And, and be like, okay, this is done and we can move forward. And, and frankly, I, I said that's too far ahead for my comfort, but the point is to stay on track is, you know, whatever your, whatever increases your fear or you feel like your fight or fights kicking in, you know, you should probably aim towards that more than likely. Not always, you know, obviously like if it's a poison snake, freaking run. Like I, I, I can't stand snakes. So that that's just a, a little vulnerability fact you can, you you can know about me now, but, um, and even, I mean, I guess even tying back to like the little title he gives it, you know, giving obstacles credit, you know, when something bad happens to you, um, my favorite Chinese proverb that I got from my capstone professor was, um, uh, good luck, bad luck, only time will tell. And that ties in with strategic luck, which is a business concept that he taught us. And, and I, t- I talk, I say it all the time. And actually I forgot we were in, we were in San Antonio and we were talking about something. And I, I told him, well, good luck, bad luck. I told Gonzo, good luck, bad luck. Only time we'll tell you. He's like, why do you have to turn everything, everything into a damn fortune cookie? And I couldn't help but laugh because that's so funny to me because I like Chinese food. So fortune cookie, it kind of makes sense. And I never thought about it as that. I mean, it's a Chinese proverb, but, or at least I got it from a Chinese story and, you know, it ties into Chinese proverb and, uh, as far as values and beliefs, the way uh, this story goes, and I'll, I'll probably tell it one day, and it won't be today. But the the moral of it is, you know, some, uh, not sometimes. Like I have to argue more times than not, the initial reaction is not is not the actual outcome, and that's where emotion comes in. Because let, let's just say someone gets you upset. Well, if you're upset, that means they got to rise up to you. That that's emotion. And you should probably settle down because on emotion, if you get mad, you might want to fight the person. And this is, I mean, this is just, this is just a random, like meta, like random example I'm trying to give. But if you ignore them or if you wait, you might actually have a better counter to actually like figure out the solution. Be like, okay, how am I going to get rid of this person? Um, or maybe, I don't know. I, and I, I guess the biggest thing that I see now is like, kids bullying and and even i mean i i, I don't see it a lot because i'm not in school all the time I'm, I'm not in a school all the time but even when i even when i do hear kids say maybe small things that okay they they might think it's small and, and it probably is but what i'm learning and especially these past couple of days that i have been substituting is like those small things those are the small things that add up to bigger things in the future and so like i i do tell students now like i do not tolerate that and it's it's interesting because I've I I haven't brought it up on here, and I I have to have Brian on here when it comes to bullying. Cause I, I that would be a topic that I do want to re recover. Um, uh, if I haven't covered it already, I don't believe I have. Not into the depth that I'm thinking of that I've had this conversation already. But um, when I hear the kids like, no, I will not tolerate that because I now you know even as a 26 year old, see, it's like yeah, these factors have have underlying meanings, and then that kid who's bullying somebody else or making fun of somebody else or picking on somebody else. They they're probably the, actually the ones that are going through a tougher time at home. 
you know, the kid who's getting bullied or, or picked on at school, yes, I'm not saying it's a good, I mean, obviously by no means I'm not saying it's a good thing, but we do forget about that troublemaker kid, that kid who, 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 who probably needs more attention than half the kids in, in a school. And that's just from my point of view. I'm not saying, you know, I, I don't know what to do. I'm, I'm, I'm still trying to figure a lot of stuff out for myself, obviously, but it's what I see with these kids who are, you know, nine, 10, 11 years old, maybe 12. And, and, and I, I believe I've said this on the podcast before where, you know, I see a trouble kid. Those are the ones I want because those ones I sit next to them. I'll pull up a desk. I'll sit next to them. But like, Hey, what's going on? You want attention? Boom. Let's, let's go. Let's talk. I'll talk with you. I'll, I'll sit here. And it's interesting. And I guess the next point that's interesting is, you know, when I, when I address those fears with those kids, they usually become, they, they become very vulnerable. They, they realize like, Hey, like I can talk to this person, you know, cause he actually cares, you know, and, and I can, I, honestly, I can only imagine what some of these kids are going through. Cause I've, I've said on here where I've, I've had a great childhood. I've had a great living, you know, I got my college degree. I'm back here, you know, I'm doing what I want, you know, 80% of the time, which is great for me. And, and I'm completely satisfied with that. But, uh, you know, listening to these kids who are the troublemakers and, oh, watch out for this kid and watch out for that kid. It's like, well, actually, no, listen to that kid. Don't watch out for him. Go listen to him. Ask him some questions and see what happens. And and lately I have been prying maybe a little bit too much, and that's okay. Like I, For me, it's not that I don't care, but it's because I actually care. That, I, at least I want to care that much, and I do care that much, where it's like, hey, person, you know, I'll just give a random name, uh, Joe. That's not any of the students. So, Joe, hey, you know, what's going on? How how's, how are things at home? Or or hey man, is your dad around? What's your dad doing? Where, where does he work? I think I haven't gotten that deep, but I have asked a student, um, hey man, what does your dad do for a living? And he's like, well, I don't know. And and I I I knew the answer because I mean he was he was he's a he's a quote unquote troublemaker. It's like no, I, I, I see you man, I see you and 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 after that he just he avoided me, and I've had those too. I I mentioned that where it's like I've had those kids who open up like, ah, sir, this is going on, or this is what's going on, this is what's really going on. Okay, cool. Go talk to the counselor. Go. I'm sending you. Go Go do it. Go, go tell him exactly what you told me, and we'll be done with that. And then there's other students where I've had one, even last semester in the, in the fall, where, sir, just let me go to ISS. Let me go to ISS. I'll just go to ISS. I don't, I don't want to talk. I don't want to talk about anything. Okay. And and I try my best not to send them, you know, to I, I, for the, I guess for those who don't know what ISS means, it's in-school suspension, which is basically a, a type of isolation room, and the kids that I work with um, sometimes send themselves there and they'd rather do that than be in my class. And frankly, I try my best to not get them there, but then, you know, for whatever reason they, they go, you know, obviously they don't listen. Um, I try to get them to a certain point where like, Hey, I'm here to listen. I try to listen my best to my, I try my best to listen. And even when I've, even when I've talked to Luis more recently and, and I, the way I explain it to him and I try to explain to other kids as best I can is, you know, I was 16 once. And the cool thing is I'm only 10 years older. So I'm not, I'm not a parent, you know, I'm not, I'm not a fully, I'll say a fully glorified, fully glorified adult. I'm working there. I'm working to that. I'm working to get, to get to that goal, but I'm not there yet. But I'm like, I can, I can, I can put myself in your, or at least I can try to put myself in your shoes and then listen to you and see what, what solutions we can come up with. And then even when I talked to Luis last week, he's like, Oh, he's like, okay. He's like, that, that makes more sense. I'm like, yeah, I'm like, I, I get it. You know, I I was in your shoes ten years ago. It's not it's not as far away as you think. And that's why. T- and then the last thing I closed with Luis was with. Uh, I'm like, when you turn 26, I'm like, you're gonna know exactly what I'm talking about. And he's like, okay. So I'm like, just wait. I'm like, don't be in a rush. I'm like, I'm just letting you know what's what's ahead. And uh, 
and what I know from my experience of being a 16-year-old at one point. But anyways, giving obstacles credit, you know, being grateful and and that's that's totally cliche of oh, your you know, your past helps you with your future and this and, that. and, and it, but but honestly, it really does. And and realizing like, oh man, if I didn't go through that thing, I wouldn't have I wouldn't have wanted to be better at this. If I didn't get denied the job, if I didn't get denied the promotion, I probably wouldn't have worked harder to then get a promotion and then some. Maybe your maybe your bonus, maybe your your pay raise will be more than what you expected because you've worked so hard. Maybe you got the attention of that person that you want. You know, it could be I mean all this you there's I always bring up career and, and personal because it's pretty much what I'm going through with myself. And so if I can bring any any relevancy or points that people can be thoughtful about, well, that's that's the whole point. All right, people, we're on the last one here. Truth number 13. Number 13. So how do we know when we cross the truth? 13. Someone's asking, why did I pick 13? That's an unlucky number. Well, I don't know when 13 got the bad rap and became the mongrel of numerology it's never done me wrong 13 in fact 13 has been a pretty lucky number for me and i want to tell you how i've always taken these 21 day trips by myself to far off places where i usually don't know the language and nobody knows my name they're adventures one but they're also a purge all right they're a cleanse for me they're like a 21 day fast from uh, attention from all the things i have in my well-appointed life they're a check out so I can check in with me, see how I'm doing, be forced to be my own and my only company, to have a look in my mirror. And we all know what can happen when we do that. Sometimes we do not like what we see. Well, in 1996, uh, right after I got famous from a film I did called The Time to Kill, I, uh, I headed out on one of these 21-day walkabouts and this time to the jungles in the mountains of Peru. The sudden fame that I'd just gotten was somewhat un- unbalancing. Uh, my face was everywhere. Everyone wanted a piece of me. People I'd never met were swearing that they loved me. Everywhere I went, there I was on a billboard, a magazine cover. It was, it was just weird <laughs> overall. You know, I was, I was asking myself, what's the reality in this and what's the bullshit? Did I deserve all this? Uh, these were all questions I was asking myself. Well, who was I was another. Now, there's always an initiation period with these trips, an amount of time that it takes for the place to initiate the traveler, the time it takes to disconnect from the world we just left and become completely present in the one we are traveling in. Now, for me, that initiation period usually lasts about 13 days, 13 hellish days until I'm out of my own way Well, it was the night of the 12th day of my 21-day trip. I'm settling into camp. I'd already hiked 80 miles to this point, and I had a three-day trek ahead of me to Machu Picchu. And I was full-on sick of myself, wrestling with the loss of my anonymity. I was guilt-ridden for for sins of my past. I had a lot of regret. I was lonely, disgusted with my company, mine. Grappling with these demons on this night, I couldn't sleep. All of these badges and banners and expectations and anxieties that I was carrying with me, I needed to free myself from them. So I stripped down to nothing. I, I took every moniker that gave me pride and confidence, all the window dressings, the packaging around 
the product. I, I discarded them all. I got rid of my lucky and faithful American cap. I stripped off all my talismans from adventures past. I even discarded my late father's gold ring with an M on it that he gave to me. And it was, it was a meltdown of he and my mom's class rings and gold from my mom's teeth. I even got rid of that. I was naked, literally and figuratively. And I got sick. I felt clean. I felt free and light. Along a, a muddy path on this walk, I, I, I turned a corner. And there in the middle of the road was, was, was this mirage, this magnificent pinks and, and blues and red colors that I'd ever seen. It, it was electric, glowing and vibrant, just hovering just off the surface of the jungle floor as if it was plugged into some neon power plant. I stopped, I stared, there was no way around it. The jungle floor in front of me was actually thousands of butterflies there in my path. It was spectacular. So I stayed a while. And somewhere in my captivation, I heard this little voice inside my head say these words. <laughs> all I want is what I can see. And all I can see is what's in front of me. Now at that moment, Trip, I had stopped anticipating what was around the corner. For the first time, I stopped thinking about what was coming up next. What was up ahead? Time slowed down. I was no longer in a rush to get anywhere. And my anxieties were greatly eased. A few hours later, I returned to camp. Even the local Sherpas I was traveling with, they, they, they noticed calling out to me, Sois luz, Mateo, sois luz, which means you are light in Spanish. See, I forgave myself that morning. I let go of the guilt. The weight that was on my shoulders was lifted, my penance was paid, and I got back in good graces with my God, and I shook hands with myself, my best friend, the one that we're all stuck with anyway, ourselves. And from that morning on, the adventure was awesome. I was present, I was out of my own way, I was not anticipating next, I was embracing only what was in front of my eyes and giving everything the justice that it deserved. You see, I crossed the truth that morning. Now, did I find it? I, I don't know, I think it found me. Why? Because I put myself in a place to be found. I put myself in a place to receive the truth. So how do we know when we cross the truth? Well, I think the truth's all around us all the time. I mean, I think the answer, you know, is it's always right there, right there. I think it's all around us. We just don't always see it. We don't always grasp it, hear it, access it. Usually because we're not in the right place to do so. So what do we do? First, I believe we've got to put ourselves in the place to receive the truth. Let's admit it, we, we live in an extremely noisy world with all kinds of frequencies coming at us. We've got commitments, we've got deadlines, fix this, do that, plans, expectations, and they all make it hard to get clarity and peace of mind. So we have to consciously put ourselves in places to receive that clarity. Now that may be prayer, that may be meditation, that may be a walkabout, that may be being in the right company, a road trip, whatever it is for you, Schedule that time. Schedule it. So, if we do that, if we hear it, if we put ourselves in a place to hear it and we do, and it's become clear, a truth, natural and infinite, then the second part comes, which is to personalize it. Ask yourself how it works for you, how it applies to you personally, why you need it in your life specifically. And if you do that, 
Then comes the third part. Have the patience to internalize it and get it from our intellectual head, thinking about it, and into our bones and our soul and our instinct. Now, we cannot rush this part. It does take time. So if we get that far, we've received it, we've personalized it, and we've internalized it. Got to have the courage to act on it, to actually take it into our daily lives and practice it, to make it an active part of who we are and live it. We can do that. All right, if we can do that, then we have what I believe is heaven right here on earth. And that's the place where what we want is also just what we need. I mean, that's the ticket, isn't it? Think about it. I know that's where I want to live while we're here. And they're going to run across the jumbotron. Let's make it a place where we break a sweat, where we believe where we enjoy the process of succeeding in the places and ways that we are fashioned to, where we don't have to look over our shoulder because we're too busy doing what we're good at, voluntarily keeping our own counsel because we want to, traveling towards immortal finish lines. We write our own book, overcoming our fears. We make friends with ourselves. And that is the place that I'm talking about. So imagine being able, okay, I guess this would probably occur for some people my age, maybe more closer to my situation, but at least for the people that I know that are grinding out out there. But imagine being in a, in a, in a time, uh, in a place in your life where you can take 21 days off, 21 day sabbatical to go to the middle of never before land. I say it like that just because, you know, like, like the example where he talks about going to somewhere he's never been before, language he doesn't know. So he has to learn the culture. He has to learn, you know, he has to be able to cope with that setting, learn to cope with that setting, learn the setting for 21 days. And that's probably the main, the the first thing that hits, the first main point that I, that, that hits me. It's like, oh, that for me, the thought of it sounds great, but. Have you ever, I mean, have you ever had 21 days off? The closest thing I've had to that was after I graduated college. And I moved back home July 2nd, 2015, and I went to sleep. And I could care less about a lot of things. Not everything, just about a lot of things. And all I really wanted to do was just let me sleep. And I remember taking like a good, solid month off. And then by month two, I was like, okay, I, was, I felt better, but I still needed to recover. At least that was my feeling. I just wanted to be home. I hadn't been home. You know, as far as living here at home, I hadn't been home in four and a half years. Yes, I've been back and forth, but it was more back and forth. I was gigging, traveling a lot. I was working at the same time. I was going to school, you know, trying to get all that stuff in retrospect situated. Figure out what was going to stick. Figure out, figure out what I liked, what I didn't like, what I wanted to do, what I didn't want to do. And so that was part of the closest thing. That was already two years ago, going on three years ago. And after that, you know, I got to take one road trip to California with my family, and then I took another road trip. I'll call it a West Coast road trip with Brian. We took that, and one one day, soon enough. I know I keep I keep teasing teasing here and there as far as like talking about our road trip, and that that'll come up, but just it just hasn't it's just not the right time. But anyhow, 
in listening to this and 21 day sabbatical and then he's talk then Matthew McConaughey goes into dealing with his past. And I like that this is the last truth and we we're going to close out with this truth because one thing that I've learned and it was started with reading Wild at Heart which I've talked about briefly uh when we were in Nashville and then even before that with Eddie here on the podcast. But in reading that book and chapter four is The Wound. I even typed out that chapter because I have a copy of it because I've had certain people read it or I've given certain people and hopefully they, they've read it. But it ties in because it talks about the past, uh, dealing with the, in the, in the, the book's case is a wound, but math in this more general conversation, no part with Matthew McConaughey or his speech part of, you know, dealing with who you were in the past maybe dealing with people who you knew in the past that you wish were here now, but they're not because it just, it didn't work out as much as you wanted to. And sometimes, sometimes a lot of times, at least from my perspective, it happens with relatives. And the sad part is sometimes it happens with parents and that, that, that stuff really gets under my skin because I have had the fortunate life of not having that but having people that I know that deal with that disconnect, especially when it's parents and learning as I'm reading these books, as I'm listening to people, as I'm listening to Jordan Peterson, Jocko Willing, Tim Ferriss, you know, listening deeply to, to these psychological effects that people have with their past. And a lot of the times, more times than not, it deals with their mom or their dad or their mom and their dad. So working through that, I know for myself, and after reading that book, I read that book 2016, and I read it again 2017, A Wild at Heart, that is. And going through these book, going through that book, going through these chapters, and and it's interesting because at least I feel like I've I've cleared up a lot of my past, and that that's been through conversation with my with both my parents. I'm like, hey, this is what happened here. You know, and at the end of the day, I've realized, and this is now moving on to the other book, which he did, which John Eldridge did with his wife Stacy, is the book Captivating, and the part where she says, you know, when she was, I, I think it was three months, her mom was three months away from dying because I think she was diagnosed with cancer, and she realized in, in that, those last moments, I'll call it last moments, that the whole time her mom loved her, actually loved her, and she had really nothing to worry about. And what I've come to conclusion with myself when and talking with my parents is the fact that they were first time parents. I don't know how it's how supposed to be a parent. All I know how all I know how to feel how it feels like is to be a son. And, and when I realized that and reading these books, this these two books in particular, and it's like, oh, okay. So it's not their fault. And it, it wasn't really my fault either. I I was being a kid and maybe I knew right from wrong, but I still chose maybe the wrong answer maybe the wrong consequence for that particular situation but but i will say when you when you free yourself from that agony and i call it agony because that's what it is it it really frees you up to live more in the moment not all in the moment because i feel at least for me I'm, I'm still looking at my future i'm still trying to figure out some things trying to uh, i'm looking at a pivot coming up soon you know different you know moments that okay you know what can i do with this what can i do with that then let's say okay let's say i'm on stage well i'm in that moment i, I i'm not thinking about 
a business. I'm not thinking about the podcast. I'm not thinking about, oh, what am I going to do after? What am I, what, what did I do before? Oh, what did, what did he say? What did she say? What did I do? What, did I, what didn't I do? Like, no, I'm, I'm in the moment. So I know I'm getting closer to living that, which, what, you know, what even Matthew McConaughey talks about. And like, you know, how do we know when we cross the truth? And when, when he brings up that quote, he says it at the beginning, but then he says it at the end. And, and when, when I, and more recently than not, and this was probably probably about a month ago now, we were, we were off from gigs. We, had, we hadn't started gigging really yet for the year. But Gonzo had come over, and we were having some drinks, and we were just chilling. And he, he gave me a, one of his situations where, you know, he was, he was told essentially lies. They were, just, they were just false statements. And so one of the questions he asks me is like, well, how do you know to listen to Jocko? How do you know to listen to Tim Ferriss? How do you know to read these books that I'm reading and then go on YouTube and listen to these things too. And I told him that's actually a very good question because I'm like, I just, I trust my intuition. I trust my instinct, but it's like what he went through. It's like, I never dealt with that. I've, I've, I haven't gone through that, that deep of a, of a, of a situation where it's like, Hey, you know what? Like why? Like these, these particular people lied to me and now it's affected my, my state of mind now. I've never dealt with that, and and uh, and I hope he's okay with. I mean, I'm I'm not saying I'm not, I'm leaving out a lot of details that he's told me, so I'm trying to get vague because the point is, it's like being that vulnerable to find the right people to trust, but in doing that, you have to go some, and you don't have to, but that that's the way it kind of happens. You don't you you can't plan. And especially now for me, I try I try to keep the humanistic aspect at all at any point, at all points, is like I'm not going into a conversation expecting to be lied to. And honestly, what I will say now is I know that if that's the case, that will be uncovered anyways. And I'm not fishing for lies. I am I am trying to give people my truth, my perspective. You all listening, I, I of course is much appreciated, but you know, trying to give my perspective for the time being. And as it's evolving, you know, coming up with these new things, maybe not necessarily new ideas, but ideas that I've read about or or thought about and how they've impacted my personal life or my life in general. Then going from there and 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 creating truth and 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 make and realizing, okay, my definition for regret is this. My definition for success is this. My definition for uh, I'm trying to think of maybe one more thing. My definition for truth is this. This is my definition definition of truth, and 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 maybe maybe I give people a lot of uh, benefit of the doubt, but I, I I know I do try to. I only mitigate it through giving people time, and I give people time, and eventually the truth will come out. And if it's consistent, then it's consistent. Cool. And if it's not, then you know, okay. Then I I know where my next move is gonna be, and what I'm gonna do next, essentially. So, thirteen truths. We've just wrapped it up. I hope that my points have done well with you guys, with everybody listening. Uh, fifty episode fifty two and episode fifty four as well. Episode fifty two has the first four. And then 54 has this, the middle trunk, and now this is episode 56, and this is the last bit of these truths. Hopefully, I, I, I've always posted the link to the actual YouTube video, so even if you want to just 
go straight to that. Um, I mean, I all I want to do is raise some, not necessarily curiosity, but just some thought-provoking points that will allow you to to ponder for yourself because that's that's part of the main thing. And and while it can be called self-help, it's like well, it's to me I I want to be more conscious than saying oh you're just self-help or this is this is self-help. It's like well get something out of this and, and, you know, be conscious about it. And I'm, I'm not looking for and you know, and it's, it's crazy because I, I, it says give obstacles credit, give your success credit as well. And I'm still not looking for that. I'm just looking to build and build connection. That's part of the biggest thing. And I hope that everybody can get, like I said, that one thing, that 1%, that one point, like, oh man, I, I didn't think about that or, oh man. Or for me, the biggest thing that I, that ties in for me, to close out these these truths, parallels. Uh, it's, it's, it's listening to Matthew McConaughey. It's listening to Jordan Peterson. It's listening to Dr. Willink. And they, t- they say certain things that they've experienced throughout their lives. They're like, oh, man, I thought that too. Or, oh, man, I experienced that in this way. I, and to me, I tell that to be to have a characteristic that, that makes me relative to this person. You know, any, any, anybody from, you know, Zig Ziglar, Jocko Willink, si- Simon Sinek any of these people that I've talked about over the past 56 weeks on this podcast. But parallel is what's driving me for content. And then, okay, what are we doing with this information? How are we processing it? But anyways, that'll be a wrap for today. I hope that everybody has, has had a great week and hopefully next week, next week's plan will go according to plan. You know, the Joker from The Dark Knight always says, you know, everybody everybody gets gets all flustered when everything goes, or everybody stays calm when everything goes according to plan, but when you break the plan, that's when everybody goes hysterical. So we will see you all next week. Movingwithlive.co. You can find me on Instagram. My personal Instagram and Twitter is at Andy underscore 1844. Get at Brian on Fiverr. Get him some work so he can, so he can help uh, relieve some of his work stress. Uh, Eddie Signs, EddieSignsMusic.com. Listen out for his single, When I Was Young. This week, we're off with him, but we'll be in Backwoods, Ingleside, February 17th, which is the following Saturday. We'll be out there, and then some other gig coming up as some other gigs coming up as well, and then we'll be out of February before you know it. We're only about two and a half weeks out, which is crazy. But anyhow, we'll see you guys next week, and keep moving.